All right. So I'm going to just do a little follow-up here to uh, the now rather infamous document, Fiducia Supplicants. Just a little more thought on this. I've done a lot more reading and I've spoken with a lot of people, gotten a lot of feedback from some of you uh, in your support, but also your concern uh, as to whether we're maybe taking this a little too far. Uh, so I'm going to call this Untangling Naughty Blessings. Not N-A-U-G-H-T-Y, but K-N-O-T-T-Y Blessings. How do we sort this out a little bit? I'll just give you a few words on how I've done it thus far. I want to begin with one of my favorite verses. Actually, I love 2 Corinthians is probably my favorite uh, book in the New Testament. And this is one of my favorite quotes from that book, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Uh, we have renounced secret and shameful ways, says St. Paul. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Rather, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every person's conscience in the sight of God. Ah, the deep clarity that St. Paul brought to the Corinthians and all of us. <laughs> so, as you all know, 23 ended with the Pope for, I think, still mysterious reasons, putting out this document five or six days before Christmas. It was a papal bang that at once wounded and at the same time woke me up in some respects. Uh, at the same time, I would say the fallout from the document had a, a slightly dismal effect upon my Christmas, uh, but I was so grateful for wise men and women who lit up the night with their reflection, truly in the spirit of the Magi, uh, reflecting uh, the clarity of truth and certainly helping lead me to understand how best to respond uh, to this document. Uh, I would recommend Archbishop Charles Chaput's amazing piece for First Things. Um, you can get that if you just go to uh, our website or to my blog, actually. You can just press that in. I think it was in December uh, that it came out of three days after the document. But, but check that out. Uh, Chaput's piece from First Things. I think it's the best thing that I've read in response to this document. He's such a clear thinker. And that helped me. It, it gave me a piece, uh, a piece of reality, little r. And when I say peace, it's the peace of, of, of seeing things as they are, things coming down to size, um, having a right perspective on, on reality, little r. For me, significantly, it was realizing what I've been discerning and observing about Pope Francis uh, from the beginning of his papacy is, is accurate. I'm actually not crazy. I'm not um, paranoid. I'm not misreading him. I like him very much. There's so many things about Pope Francis that I like, but I have been concerned as someone obviously very much on the pulse of, of the message 
that the church gives to persons who are dealing with any number of sexual identity uh, disorders. Uh, how do we understand them? How do we understand truth? How do we understand mercy? How do we extend that mercy uh, in a way that enhances the possibility for full conversion uh, to Christ's likeness? So though, that's, that's my grid. That's how I see reality. So from the beginning of, of, of Francis' papacy in 2013, which significantly began uh, by his offhanded comment to journalists uh, with uh, who am I to judge in, in, in response to a journalistic question about his take on a gay-identified, struggling priest who am I to judge, you know? On the one hand, yes, don't make too big of a deal about it. Don't treat this person as less than you. Don't think that you know everything about him. All those things. I, I get that and I agree with him. But there was something deeper that I heard in that, which was, well, what do I know? In a sense, what does the church know about this? Um, that was 10 years ago. Uh, and since that time, I've just kind of kept, kept at it with Francis. Like, what is he saying there? When he meets with that person, when he hangs out with those people, uh, when he kind of makes any number of offhanded comments about things related to sexuality and homosexuality, what is the meaning of it? And I followed that and have been quietly distressed over this decade uh, and so when this document came out, and again, in October, he did mention that he was considering a way forward for blessing same-sex couples in some form or another based upon the conservatives that were kind of pressing him and saying, what do you say about this? And he was saying, well, we'll see. So he delivered uh, there at the end of December. Uh, and so... You know, the hands that were freed from throwing stones, clearly in 2013, are apparently now free to actually extend a kind of blessing and also to, to make that public and to say, now you guys work with it in a way. You guys figure it out. Well, mm, that's, that's challenging on so many levels. I will say over this decade, I've watched as Francis has befriended and bonded very deeply uh, with gay activists like Father James Martin and Juan Carlos Cruz, who had been sexually abused by clergy in Santiago, Chile, uh, and stood strong as someone who was truly victimized by dirty clergy and lived to tell. And I, I admire him for that. Uh, but he's also now gay identified and, and uh, the wound of his abuse is significantly driving his homosexual activism. And both Martin and Cruz are among Francis' best friends, spend a lot of time with him. Juan Carlos spent... Uh, the Pope's 87th birthday with him, I believe, last month. So these are people that have near access. These are real influencers of Pope Francis and have been uh, significantly over the last decade, at least the last five to seven years. Francis, in his synodal way, has listened to their stories 
and their points of view, their ideological points of view. These are smart, sharp, organized activists. So they're linking arms with a global army where the freedom to be gay and recognized in the culture, which immediately neutralizes the dimension of disorder or immorality or negative social influence. It becomes more about the justice of my right to be and, in a sense, to evangelize according to the way that I understand my sexual identity and want you to embrace me in it. So I think what has happened as a result of these relationships is that Francis has begun to wonder if gay reality may actually not be disordered at all, but just different, differently ordered. And that's the particular kind of language uh, that progressive Catholics are wanting to use now, that homosexuality is not disordered, it's differently ordered. You see, the, the neutralizing of there being anything to heal, anything that needs to be turned from. This, this is what we're dealing with here. Obviously, I, I, I admire Pope Francis' gift, and, and we all need to be aware of this. He's a pastor. He's not first and foremost an administrator or a scholar. He is a pastor, and that's a great gift to us, and we see that in myriad ways. And like any pastor, uh, part of the gifting of that is attuning to who someone is and how they see themselves and understanding their needs and desires at a deep level, creating a safe place for people to bring forth uh, their needs and desires. And yet, I think we can say in his relationship with with uh, activists, with, with the LGBTQ identified, which to me is an, is an act. It's a political act to identify. For me to say, I'm Comiskey, I'm a gay man, because I have same-sex feelings? No, I can say I have same-sex feelings. I do not have to weaponize that by saying, I'm gay, and you have to deal with that. You know, that's, that's taking it another step. That's saying, I'm challenging your perception that there's anything wrong with being gay. And that's what I'm talking about when I speak of the LGBTQ identified. It's a social and a political move. Uh, and, and so Francis has been influenced by these, and this gift of attunement to them has become his weakness and now a weakness for the church. He folded into other people's fallen subjectivity. And sadly, Francis lost the truth of reality, capital R reality. I mean ontology. I mean the first things, our design, how God made us as male and female. He bought Juan and Martin's brokenness. He bought into it. He agreed with it. Instead of reflecting back something deeper and truer about their perceived reality, uh, he kind of said, well, okay, I just accept you on your terms, and that's how it is. Uh, I look at 
Father Martin, I look at Juan Carlos Cruz, I say, these are men made in his image. These are men made for women. They may have a celibate calling like Father Martin. They may be a single person that has not found partnership. But I still see him as a man made in, in the image of God, created in the duality of male and female. That's capital R reality in regards to our vision of other people. Even if they want us to accept another reality for themselves, I say, well, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand that those are your feelings and your experiences in life, and thank you for sharing that. But I don't agree with that ontologically. I truly believe that the boundary lines shifted in these pastoral relationships for Francis due to his porous synodality. That, that desire to learn through listening. It's all about you becoming the teacher through your experience of life and my just taking it in. That's a part of a helping, healing relationship. But for Christians, that is not the bottom line reality. We're responsible for an ontology, for how we understand what it means to be human. And that needs to be very much clear and alive and well at our core as we care for a variety of persons and increasingly persons who are self-identifying in any number of ways, sexually speaking. So please hear me. I am not against Pope Francis. The sharpest criticism that we've gotten for taking a hard position oppositionally to fiducia supplicants has been that we were anti-papal or were disloyal to the church. No, we love the church. We love the papacy. We love Pope Francis. We just don't like certain aspects of his leadership, particularly in the area of human sexuality. We feel like he has become decidedly non-Catholic <laughs> And, and worldly in his, in his viewpoint towards people, especially dealing with sexual identity issues. But we love his pastoral heart. You just have to keep in mind, we have spent the, I have spent the last 44 years of my life helping people come out of a profound immorality involving same-sex desire, which is made all the more difficult by a host of confusing cultural signposts, both in the worldly church and in the world. Along the way of these 44 years, I've witnessed leader after leader of all the Protestant denominations, many Catholics and others like Francis, who have abdicated their responsibility to stand in truth and grace for persons with same-sex attraction. And they've succumbed to winsome witnesses who gave up the fight in their own lives and ultimately who just wanted to be gay. And these fathers and mothers of the faith accompanying them just kind of go, well, okay, well, if if you just can't do it anymore or won't do it anymore and you just need to be like that, then I guess I'm okay with it. That's how it works. It's not because we've found a new Bible 
or we really now know that people are born gay and that's just all there is for them. It's because of social influence of people that, for any number of reasons, lost hope and heart in their own desire to live chaste lives. And the leaders around them began to say, well, okay, if I'm going to stay in relationship to you, then I have to change. We see that all the time with parents of LGBTQ-identified kids. But now, well, I have all (laughs) for decades seen that with Christian leaders, but I've not yet seen that as clearly um, as I have with, with our Pope. And that's my heartache. I I hope you share some of that with me. Please keep in mind, fiducia supplicants is not about marriage and how wonderful it is that the Pope still believes in sacramental marriage. We know that, and he does. And it's not just about, wow, now we really understand what blessing is. I hope we all know something about blessing and we just live as blessors of our fellow humanity, whether they're Christian or not. The point of fiducia supplicants is the moral nature of same-sex unions. And that's where uh, our friend Pope Francis is blurring the lines. You could also say Francis delivered for his friends. He promised them that he would do something about this uh, prohibition of same-sex unions that came out two years ago, two and a half years. And he promised his gay-identified friends, I'm going to do something about that. Well, he did. Those people who oppose him, he supplants. In prep for the rollout of fiducia supplicants, the Pope counseled his Vatican staff, let us, this is a quote, let us remain vigilant against rigid ideological positions. I don't know what he means there. Is it it those who would prohibit same-sex unions? Is it the indissolubility of marriage? I don't know. All he's saying is, let's remain vigilant against those who still hold hard and fast to these positions that separate us from reality and prevent us from moving forward. In other words, let's leap over the thorny issues and moral situations immoral situations people find themselves in. And let's just say, well, that's your reality and move on. That's what I hear in that anyway. So where from here? Please know I'm not suggesting that Francis should, shouldn't be the Pope. That's, that's not my call. I like Francis in so many ways. I love his pastoral heart. I certainly love the papacy. I'm so grateful that I'm a Catholic and that there is a a leader that can determine some things. I love that. I love that it's not just sort of every man has an equal vote. I, I love having a leader. And I'm sold out for Catholic moral teaching. I just want the leader of the Catholic Church to be really consistent and clear in his pastoral declarations uh, so that it's rooted in Catholic moral teaching and not a contradiction in terms. So I tremble at this particular shocking expression of papal leadership. And 
I'm asking God to turn it around in my life to provoke me to fight that much harder for our beautiful church. She never misleads us, yet deceived leaders do. And that makes me all the more responsible as a church member to do my part. This begins, it must begin with clear seeing. The Pope is deceived here. Fiducia supplicants is a double-minded exercise in simultaneously affirming and undercutting Catholic teaching. That's a quote from Shep Hugh. It's a way of approving of gay relationships artfully, but without clearly saying so. So if I care for the church and Francis, then I have to show my loyalty by disrespectfully, I'm sorry, by respectfully disagreeing with him. You can also do that in a disrespectful way, and I certainly don't mean to do that. But if you hear me disrespecting him because I disagree with him, then I would challenge that on your end. If we don't disagree where someone is in error according to the clear moral teaching of the church, then it is disloyalty not to say something with clarity and conviction and consistency. I urge everyone to shirk every set of hands that would seek to bless one's familiar immorality, whether it's opposite gender or same gender. Rather, I will extend my influence to urge vulnerable men and women for generations to come to hold fast to their true selves, to have access to what that self is more clearly and nearly through the witness of loving, faithful Christians who reflect back the real truth of who they are as male and female, destined to become integrated men and women. We're not born integrated. We become it. We're born male or female. But it's up to us, and it's up to our ongoing relationship with greater clarity as to who this Jesus is and increasing openness to the other faces and hands and hearts and support around us that help us to realize this integration as male and female. I want to help everyone I know, whatever their starting point, to bear the fruit of increasing chastity. That's what I want to be about. That's what this document provokes in me. I want to be more about that. And I need to be because the spiritual landscape just got all the more cluttered by Francis showing his hand with this document. So we bless integration in other people. We summon it. We prophesy over it. We confirm it in them. We urge men and women onward, especially when a person wants to slack off and go sideways, which is the norm in our Western world today. What I'm describing is the posture of true accompaniment. This is the way of Jesus. I dare say, this is the way of of Jesus for his church. And I'm going to be faithful to that. I'm going to be loyal to the Pope by insisting on 
on progressive chastity, progressive integration, men and women growing into the fullness of who God made them and what Jesus died for, what he gave all to them for the sake of realizing that fullness. We have to be about that more than ever with utter clarity, without a hundred citation points where we say, well, really about, no, it's really nothing. It means nothing. It's confusion. When you're in the throes of this conflict, when the devil has you at the, at the basic level of your sexuality, you don't need a hundred footnotes. You need clarity from a merciful Christian who has come to his or her senses and who knows the truth of that person's authentic self as a person still becoming the man and woman of God's design. And we need to do everything in our power to help people to realize that at at this point in time. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is all of our spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Thanks for joining us.